When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is Tom. I'm here with Sam as usual. And Sam, today we are digging in to, I I would wager, maybe the two most favorite characters in all of Mass Effect. Yeah, if you don't know about these guys, I question whether or not you've ever played or even know what Mass Effect is. Do you even Mass Effect? I Yeah, maybe you less effect. Yeah, you probably less effect. We are starting this episode off in a stellar way. Uh, Who are we talking about? (laughs) Right. We've covered some vehicles now and ship technology a while back. So some of the people who worked on those ships, we're going to talk about them now. We're talking about Greg Adams and Charles Presley. Oh, yes. Greg Adams and Charles Presley. People are constantly debating about these two characters and how much they love them online. Right. There's a very yeah, rabid fan base. Don't talk shit about Greg Adams. I'll tell you that uh, you and other players may recognize them <laughs> better as Engineer Adams and Navigator Presley. I think I'd long forgotten their first names before researching for this episode. But yeah, yeah. yes, uh, yes. Looking at them, I'm like greg and charles okay (laughs) if you say so like fine (laughs) you're like is he finally doing it is he finally just making up lore and (laughs) pretending like it's real i still think we should do a made-up lore cast for like every popular game series ever and where we just make up fake lore and then try to convince people that it's real maybe you do that without telling anyone for every single show on your network on the beginning of April. <laughs> yeah. Episodes. April fool's episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. All right. So, okay. So what do we know about these characters? What's the deal with them? Right they're Well, they're both somewhat supporting characters who we don't get to n- know nearly as much, uh, less screen time with them than the squad mates, but they have this tangible impact on Shepard's crew. So uh, let's talk about Greg first. Number one, uh, he works on the Normandy's Tantalus Drive Corps and other systems around the ship, too. In fact, it's a bit odd to me that there is not a larger engineering presence on a state of the art vessel. Yeah, in, Nor- would, yes. in Mass Effect 1, it's pretty much him and like some unnamed NPCs in the background, like maybe two or three of them. It's all AI automated. Everyone else lost their jobs by that point in the future. And, and then that's the crazy part, right? <laughs> this is before Edie. So we can't even say that like Edie's handling it, you know? Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And- I'm, I was making a real world joke about AI taking everyone's <laughs> jobs. But yeah, you're right. They don't have Edie yet. It's not like that's happening in Mass Effect 1. So. 
Right. So there's some like unnamed NPCs, I think, in the background. And then there's Tally and Adams. And that's pretty much it for their engineering department. Um, but he's really into his job. Like he's super into his job. He's the kind of guy that you can learn a lot from because he's passionate about his work. I think we've all worked with at least one of these people. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. you can hear it in his voice when you ask him about the ship in Mass Effect 1. Uh, I'm going to play the sound clip, but before that, I'm going to relate this character to you, who is also, like in our pre-show chat, very excited about your current career. That's true, yeah. I am. <laughs> uh, if people wanted to talk to me about journalism off-air, uh, I could probably depress you in five seconds, but yes. <laughs> Alright, so here's, here's the first clip about uh, Adams. I want to know more about the Normandy. She's the best ship I've ever served on. Probably the fastest vessel ever designed. And she's the only one using the new Tantalus Drive Core. What's so special about the Tantalus Drive Core? Proportionally, it's about twice the size of any other vessel. Not only are we faster, but we can run at FTL speeds longer before we have to discharge the core. That's what she said. <laughs> Everybody hates premature discharge, okay? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your doctor if you suffer from premature discharge. But not us, not on the Normandy. We can run for longer and faster and harder. Um, <laughs> those lines uh, are definitely more to break the fourth wall from Adams and give the player some kind of clue about the ship that they're in and why it's special. And, you know, in, in fact, most of what we learn about the Normandy uh, right off the bat is from Adams. So. Uh, but I also think if we if we were allowed to, we could probably chat him up about the Normandy's engineering all day and he would never get tired of it. Yeah, it's that's the just type, type of guy who just guy. like super nerds out about the thing that he does. And is like like it, it would make sense on a state of the art ship to have somebody that that is that into what they do because, you know, they're going to do a good job. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and he probably rarely gets the chance to talk about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know He's probably I mean? the guy that like goes out on his like first date with somebody and is and they're like, she's like, well, what do you do? And then like 20 minutes later, he's done explaining something and she's just like, you know, using her fork on the leftovers of her dish <laughs> and like, OK, that was really interesting. Thanks. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's probably um accurate for who for who Adams is but he's also like you know he's pragmatic we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit but he is definitely definitely into his job yeah so let's get into him on a personal level like what do, what do we even know he's lieutenant uh, but we get the feeling that he's had a very very long very storied career with the Alliance uh, he tells us that he served on every single class of ships that the Alliance has. One of those ships was the cruiser SSV Tokyo. If the name of this ship sounds familiar in Mass Effect, it's because Captain Anderson used to command this ship before he was given the Normandy. So they got a background there. I think it's safe to say Adams is yet another one of Anderson's favorite former crewmates, who then he handpicked and brought him along to the Normandy. Yeah, that would make sense. That, that totally tracks. Yeah, and, and we also know that he has a sister in the Alliance, serving on the carrier, the SSV Benjamin Davis. Okay. Which is only one of three carriers, three named carriers that we know of in Mass Effect. So it's kind of interesting we get that little lore bit right off the bat in Mass Effect 1. 
Um, but Adams is also one of the few characters who we meet in Mass Effect 1 and then comes back in Mass Effect 3, but isn't there in Mass Effect 2. Right, because of the whole Cerberus thing. He doesn't work for Cerberus, he, so he wouldn't be there on the ship, right? Exactly. We later learn that he regrets this. He says that he should have listened to Dr. Chakwas trying to recruit him for Cerberus, but he had a bad taste in his mouth about Cerberus. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, and he couldn't bring himself to believe that Shepard was also alive. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's somebody of like some moral. Uh, I don't know. He has more bound moral boundaries. He's like, oh, Cerberus, not so great. As far as I know, why would I go do that? And then also they might be lying about Shepard, so. Yeah, hmm, domestic terrorist organization and resurrected fallen hero. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll pass. Maybe too good, um, maybe too good to be true, but yeah, it wasn't. Exactly, that, 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 that makes sense given his personality, and it's one of the few times we hear him say, actually, that he's made a mistake. So this kind of brings me to the second thing I want to focus on with Adams, which is that he's his his personality. He's very composed in almost every conversation that we have with him or overhear him in around the Normandy, um, whether we're talking about aliens as part of the crew uh, or whether AI should be considered to be alive. Uh, he's down to earth and pragmatic, too, yeah, which it, is hard to that's hard to reconcile with like a really progressive voice he is a progressive voice among uh, on the ship and yet he is this down-to-earth I've seen worse kind of mentality among the sailors if if I were to have an engineer heading up like cutting-edge technology on a ship I would want them to be pragmatic and down-to-earth not somebody who gets riled up easily somebody who's calm and factual and just figures things out right like that seems like the kind of personality because if something goes wrong in the midst of some, you know, I don't know, big mission or some critical Space moment. Battle. Yeah. Like you want the guy who's going to stay calm and fix the freaking engine in order to get you out alive. Um, so, yeah, it seems like the right kind of person for the job. Are you telling me you wouldn't want the guy who's like overclocked his home PC to like <laughs> hell and back and this the liquid CPU cooler busted open, but it's okay because he duct taped it? <laughs> right, right. Well, duct tape does solve everything. So in that case, maybe that's okay. Yeah, I don't think that that's Adams. Adams, Adams is like calculated and conservative in as much as like he I don't think he's going to take risks where they shouldn't be made. However, he is progressive when he's looking into these topics like I talked about with AI and with aliens being part of an alliance crew. Uh, here's a little bit from a conversation that he has with Chakwas in Mass Effect 3. People feel emotion. Artificial intelligence is programmed. Punch me, I get angry. I don't choose. I just get angry. Our emotions are programming. That's not the same thing. Our emotions are a natural response. Disease, parasites, lions ate their prey alive. Nature can be horrible. So now you're siding with the Reapers? Just because I'm saying the Reapers are alive doesn't mean I want them to stay that way. But we need to break free of nature and open our minds to new forms of life. So you believe the Geth share the same rights and liberties as any organic being? If that Geth is minding his own business, he has more rights than Cerberus. Despite my disgust for Cerberus, they're still human. The Geth are just machines. I like that he is a progressive, but yet uh, nuanced character. 
right? Yes. Like he's saying uh, a artificial life is life. It should have rights. But that doesn't mean I'm going to side with them. It doesn't mean they can get away with doing anything they want. There, there's nuance to that. And um, you and I discuss the nuance in, in all sorts of things, politics and history and all sorts of things all the time. In fact, some people will peg us as being too liberal or some other people will peg us as being too conservative because they won't fully grasp the nuance of the argument. And it's not about leaning in a specific direction. It's about getting to the truth of the information. And I feel like he's the same kind of personality. Yeah, he, it's very clear that he's well-educated, right? Um, and that he's an intelligent guy. But he's also, I love this, I love that they threw this line in there about, you know, you punch me in the face, I get angry. Right, that's <laughs> programming, right. That's emotional pro- programming, yeah. I'm, a, he, I'm basically, pragmatic. yeah, but I'm also a biological robot. Just like any other art, any other intelligence, I'm programmed to do certain things when certain things happen. I'm programmed to feel certain things when certain things happen, either through nature or nurture or a combination of both. It just happens to be the way that things actually work out in somebody that's a human. So so no joke. Like, of course, if you punch me in the face, I'm going to get upset about it. (laughs) Like, like you can predict that much, right? That's kind of, and that's kind of what he's saying in drawing that connection to artificial intelligence is that even though they aren't biological, they still have the same, you know, if this happens, then this generally will follow kind of thing. And if you look at humans across large swaths and you play the statistics, most people fall into certain kinds of, you know, buckets. And there's, there's a, there's a bell curve for human behavior and which means that most of us are programmed very similarly. We are. We have, you know, patterns that we follow uh, and so do machines. Uh, But, you know, I found this to be particularly interesting because Adams is likely similar in age to Chakwas, Presley and Anderson, given their tenure in the alliance and that Anderson handpicked all of them. Um, Yet he's definitely more progressive in his views than all of them. Yeah. Yeah, that, Adams is more progressive. Right, right, views. right. That that is interesting, and and I think I think that maybe that's part of just the differences in their backgrounds, the differences in their focus. Uh, when you're leading a military force, your perspective on things is going to be very different than when you are fixing an engine. Um, you know, like I'm sure you can chalk that up to many different things, but yeah, that is True. interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's pretty even keeled, uh, pun fully intended. Uh, We can hear him tell Presley to calm down when Presley's getting his panties all worked up because Nihilus is on board. And he seems to not care too much when we steal the Normandy to chase down Saren. And then, you know, even at the end of Mass Effect 3, when we're facing death right in front of us, he just tells Shepard that the engineering team is ready uh, to respond to whatever and quote it has been an honor and a privilege to serve with you right he's a he's a patriot through and through right he's somebody who yeah and and a soldier somebody who's doing their job they're getting it done and is gonna you know carry that through to the end he's stoic Stoic. he's like the definition of stoicism yeah 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 pretty cool um all right so and that's basically it for adams so that's it for Adams. You know, he he's not there in Mass Effect 2. We do, there's a ton of funny like side conversations that you can hear around the Normandy in Mass Effect 3. Uh, if you want to look those up, there's hilarious compilations on YouTube. But yeah, in, in terms of, you know, who his character is and what kind of impact they have, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Well, don't go anywhere because we have a whole other character to get into. But first, we have to go thank our patrons. So we'll be right back. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this lorecast is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, the people who spend money to support the show and get cool stuff, which is super cool. So thank you to all 62 of our current patrons and our shepherd tier patrons get shout outs every week. Kokashins, Edboy, Kirasi, Lieutenant Ticino, and William. Thank you for your support. Thank you all for being here. And if you are interested in joining them and getting ad free episodes or T-shirts or stickers or joining us for patron chats, any of that stuff, head over to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Also, if you'd like to help us out in other ways, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have an account and don't listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, you can still leave a review. And it really helps a lot because those messages, those reviews go out across the the Internet on Google results and other podcatchers and things like that. Uh, We don't have any new ones this week, but thank you to everybody who's taken the time to review the show and also rate it on Spotify or whatever other podcatcher you're listening to this on or share the show with your friends. If you have friends who are into Mass Effect and you want to talk a little bit more about how deep the lore goes and some of the stuff that you may have missed in the game. So all of those are ways to help support the show and we uh, we really do appreciate it. So let's move on with the rest of the episode. Spit it out or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. So we just talked about Adams. We talked about a guy with a kind of a progressive mindset, especially when it comes to aliens or AI. How does Presley match or not conflict with this? Like how did how's what's Presley's deal with this? Right. Presley is a bit xenophobic when we meet him in the beginning of Mass Effect 1. He is the characterization of what I think the the Codex meant when it tells us that there is a simmering bigotry between humanity and the Turians lingering over the first contact war. Uh, I think he's also meant to be this crusty old sailor who won't let grudges die. And uh, that being said, he makes sure that he won't let his bias toward aliens get in the way of following our orders. So while he expresses some what would be racist tendencies in our own uh, in our own world, he tries to say like, but I'm a professional and, you know, I'm going to follow your orders no matter what. Uh, Here's an excerpt from the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. One of really only two conversations we can have with him, and you can hear how distrusting he is of Nihilus uh, and of pretty much everything about the mission. Sounds like you don't trust our Turian guest. Sorry, Commander, just having a chat with Adams down at Engineering. I didn't mean to cause any trouble. 
but you have to admit, something's odd about this mission. The whole crew feels it. You think the Alliance Brass is holding out on us? If all we're supposed to do is test out the stealth system, why is Captain Anderson in charge? And then there's Nihilus. Spectres are elite operatives, top covert agents. Why send a Spectre, a Turian Spectre, on a shakedown run? It doesn't add up. What do you know about the stealth systems? I just know it masks our location from scans and sensors. Cutting-edge technology. The Normandy's the only ship with this prototype drive. But why are we fully staffed? A skeleton crew would be cheaper. Less chance of security leaks, too. Plus, there's Nihilus. It's pretty obvious this shakedown run is just a cover. It's it's interesting to see the difference in personality between the two, but it, it again it makes sense. The same thing of like you get punched in the face, you're going to react a certain way. If you have if you still hold some beef over the first contact war, then you're going to be suspicious. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of us can armchair quarterback this situation and be like, well, you know, I understand that xenophobia and racism is bad but right <laughs> like, yeah if you yeah. served in a in a combat role in a in a war where you were fighting one side and then that war ends and you're expected to make friends with the other side afterward it's not so simple uh for for a lot of people they can't just um bury their feelings like that and unfortunately feelings are not rational so yeah yeah uh, it, it's just gonna happen things are you're gonna feel a certain way and you're gonna have to deal with it because maybe these aliens who you are, are now very acquainted with killed some of your friends or whatever like whatever you went through you're gonna hold right. a grudge it totally makes sense and presley is meant to be the representative of this uh you know he's he didn't serve in the first contact war. Actually, you know what? That goes to my next point about what I want to talk about. Normally, I wouldn't talk about a character's appearance like this, but let's talk about how Presley looks. He's a senior officer aboard the Normandy, and he's balding. He looks to be about, I don't know, what do you think? Like early 50s, 55 he's, maybe? Yeah, yeah, 50s, mid-50s, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense given his rank, given his tenure. But then he tells us his grandfather served in the first contact war. At the point that Mass Effect 1 begins, the first contact war was only 26 years ago. Right. Right. So <laughs> his okay, grandfather. So let's say he's 56. Then easy math. He was 30. Even if his parents and his grandparents had children at 20, his grandfather would be 70. <laughs> right. That's still like that's <laughs> really squishing it down a little bit like uh, mm. this always kind of bugged me because 26 years ago, you know, he would have made him like it would have made him look between like 25 and 30. Right. And we know that Presley went right into the Alliance after graduating school because he wanted to follow in his grandpa's footsteps. So by age 25 to 30, his grandfather had already served in the first contact war. What? <laughs> like, yeah, maybe he was like a high-ranking general or something and he just was sticking it out in order to get through that war and then retire that would be a hell of a thing to happen in your 19th year of service wouldn't it that would suck <laughs> um, yeah like what <laughs> okay 
Yeah. Or maybe Dave says bro aged like milk in chat. <laughs> yeah, he curdled too. Um, so yeah, how old Presley is is really anyone's guess. I if you have a definitive answer in the lore that you can find me, great, because I couldn't find one. The math probably doesn't add up because it was a writing oversight. But the point being, Presley is here to serve as a living reminder of the first contact war. He's here to remind us of this enduring uneasiness that humans have from the war that happened just 26 years ago and how that hatred has been passed down generations okay yeah so let's uh wait let's let's talk about his job what exactly does a navigator do honestly i don't know uh, <laughs> and, and in in his position i don't know because the galaxy map seems to take a lot of that burden maybe he calibrates the galaxy map maybe that's what that's about Maybe he like serves as as basically a liaison between Shepard playing commander at the galaxy map and then sending that to the bridge for Joker. But then like, <laughs> but Mike, you I, can I automate any of those things. What if I know what if he has a cultural understanding of locations and as navigators able to explain what you would expect, like what kinds of colonies are there, what the culture is like and those kinds. I know you don't do a whole lot of that because you're too busy shooting bad guys and just, you know, saving people or whatever uh, as you go off on your missions. But it, you would imagine that, yeah, you could have that data it somewhere like, oh, this planet has this many colonies. These are the races that are involved. This is what the culture is like. And you could read through that. Or you could just have somebody on board who's like, here's what you really need to know about that situation. I know the culture. Well, be aware when you get off the ship. You know, I would not want a racist as my geographer, <laughs> right? But it's weird, right? Like it, navigator still isn't the right title for that. Like, no, maybe he's like a space weather meteorologist. Like maybe that's <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what he does. Right. Um, space weather doesn't change very quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. No, I mean it doesn't. Um, but maybe he understands like the certain anti, you know, like uh, mitigating like measures on the ship to take in case of a giant solar flare. I'm not sure. Maybe um, I still think that that could be automated. That all the ships would be designed to like know and respond and react to that you know even without ai it could just be coded in if space weather this then do this instead right like it's extra confusing because talking with him doesn't unlock any specific navigation related codex entries because like talking with adams unlocks some engineering ones yeah so about yeah. ships right. so go figure um and his conversations with Shepard aren't really about what his job does they're they're about his service record his family and distrust of aliens yeah okay well we got another clip here here let's let's listen to this one i signed up with the alliance as a navigator right out of school following in my grandfather's footsteps i guess my first posting was on the agincourt we were one of the first reinforcements to arrive at Elysium after the Blitz hit. <laughs> Those raiders were no match for an Alliance frigate. Of course, the only reason the colony was still standing was because of you, Commander. I can't believe you held out as long as you did. How'd you end up on the Normandy? I got my officer's commission after Elysium. Must have made an impression on the right people. Captain asked for me when he was picking his crew. I mean, even his voice makes it seem kind of obvious that he's in his 50s, right? Yeah, he's got a little bit of that. I've got, you know, gristled, gristled in the throat, kind of been talking for a long time kind of thing going on. A little bit of old man energy, <laughs> a little bit of Deckard Cain. Stay a while and listen. 
Yeah. Where's my sweet tea? <laughs> Give me another Werther's original, please. Okay. Heath bars. Heath bars and bonbons. So, uh, <laughs> um, where were we? Um, so, we're basically told yet another crew member has a history with Anderson, and he's been handpicked by Anderson. Yet, Presley wasn't really serving on the Tokyo with Adams and Anderson. So, who knows how they previously knew each other, maybe through the Blitz. I didn't see any evidence of how they knew each other. Um, Commander Marcus Shepard in chat here says, Navigators do a lot of on-the-fly astrophysics calculations. Well, that would make sense. I don't know if that's canon. Um, so, Commander Marcus Shepard, I do want to know where you got that. Um, but I don't know if that's canon, but that would make sense. Um, what's really interesting to me about, about Presley is that his service record is apparently navigator th is third in, in the chain of command for the Normandy. Mm. And we know this because Anderson commands the Normandy Shepard serves as the ship's XO or executive officer, which is second in command when Shepard takes over command. And then whenever Shepard disembarks onto a planet, the ship's VI announces Presley is the XO. So yeah. Navigator Presley stands relieved. Shepard is back. You know, that's what happens when you come back. Right. So Presley, after Shepard gains control of the Normandy, Presley is now second in command of your ship. So he's an important <laughs> guy, of, whatever he does. He's an, he's he's an important guy. He's also a, um, a blatant racist. <laughs> and he's like yeah. second in command of this ship. And yet we don't, uh, a lot of people don't even know his first name i wonder if he was inspired by uh battlestar galactica because it's a similar kind of situation on that oh really that i didn't yeah. know that yeah older guy kind of like kind of crusty a little bit racist you know like yeah maybe not exactly race that you know anti i mean they're all anti-ai because the cylons are bad guys but like way more suspicious than like the average person about what's going on yeah Yep. So that's that's pretty much um, where we are with Presley and Mass Effect One. There's not a lot of interactions. Okay. So does he come back for Mass Effect Two? Data pads at the Normandy's crash site really tell us the story of of Presley and Mass Effect Two. I mean, there is the whole opening sequence, right? There's the opening sequence of Mass Effect Two where you see the Normandy shot down by the collectors. And Presley is on board there. He, they're trying to run these calculations and deduce who their attackers are and how they can get out of there. Um, and ultimately, it doesn't end well for Presley. He dies in the collector attack on the ship. Mm -hmm. And we can go back to the Normandy's crash site to find the evidence of what happened, to, to place a memorial, to recover dog tags. Well, we find a series of basically diary entries by Presley, and they tell us the real story of of who he was. In, in uh -huh. <laughs> it's a it's a tragedy in three acts. Yeah, here's, can, here's can you read it in his voice? <laughs> um, I'll try. So Here, I'll do the computer, and then you do the voice. Sure. Uh, yep. So unrecoverable data, AA hash <laughs> percent ska. Minus, minus, plus, plus, minus, minus, question mark, slash, 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 one, uh, exclamation, exclamation, hash, data recovered. Spoke to the commander about this. I... Corrupt. All these damned aliens aboard the Alliance's most advanced ship. I just don't trust them. A spip... 
Unrecoverable data. That damned Asari. And a Corian. What does Shepard think this is? A zoo? <laughs> Entry two. Unrecoverable data. Uh, and then a bunch of other garbage. Data recovered. With the Corian. It seems she's on some kind of pilgrimage, trying to improve the lot of her home ship. I can understand that. I would. Unrecoverable data babysit my children or anything but if she has to be on board i suppose it's not too bad entry three unrecoverable data bunch of garbage data recovered for a while now and i'm taking a look back at past entries in this journal i unrecoverable data how blind i was at the time i came on this ship firmly believing humanity was on its own in the galaxy corrupt Shepard brought all these aliens on board, and there's no way we could have accomplished what we did without them. I am proud to say... Corrupt! Die for any member on this crew, regardless of what world they were born on. Man, he's got like a whole redemption arc in like three little... <laughs> yes. <laughs> entries. It's just three very short journal entries, and he's got this whole ass redemption arc. And a lot of people, unless you went to the crash site and looked for these, you didn't know about it. But he does have a redemption arc, and apparently he just never gets to voice it in a cutscene with Shepard, so... That's yeah. that's cool. I mean, it's it's cool that they included that, even though like like most of the characters get a little bit more than just like these are three little data entries. Here you go. But well, he got more than Emily Wong it. did. Yeah. So yeah. at least there's that. There's that. So all right. So these are two minor characters that still. I, I guess you could say they're very important in laying out different perspectives about some of the key points in the plots of the games. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so they have, you know, Presley certainly has a smaller role throughout the three games than Adams does, but they're both critical to the Alliance and they're critical to the Normandy under Shepard's command. Uh, so I felt like, you know, we've been talking about vehicles, we talked about ship technology a while back, we had to address this. I'm glad that we talked about both of them. Um, and I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. There's like one, maybe two vehicles we haven't addressed yet. The Tomka uh, mm. is the Krogan truck mm -hmm. sounds like tonka truck probably yeah. not a coincidence yeah that's kind of um yeah. <laughs> and then we also need to talk about uh steve fortez who is the uh pilot for the kodiak nice when are we going to get back to other like main characters or i think probably mates? the week after that um which character we talk about i'm not sure i'm leaning a little bit close toward liara because we haven't really talked about Liara and yet she can be the basically the uh, first character you get once you get off the Normandy or yeah. once you get off the Citadel. Yeah, a big fan favorite. Very important in the way the storyline progresses, uh, has a really cool arc herself. Yeah, I think I think that'd be cool. All right. I will caution our listeners, though, once we get into the Liara episodes, she's in so many different parts of the Mass Effect storyline that once we start talking about Liara, we're probably going to have to take breaks in between the Liara episodes, because if we don't, it's going to be like 16 straight Liara episodes. <laughs> well, maybe we can um, like squish it down a little bit. I don't I don't know. We'll have to we'll figure it out. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Or maybe maybe we do like some Liara and then someone else and then come back to Liara later. Or uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you for being here, chat. Uh, happy Friday to everybody. And uh, Sam, you got anything else going on you want to share? 
I'm celebrating my fiance's 30th birthday. Uh, so happy birthday to her. Happy birthday. And um, that's pretty much it for now. You know, um, I am going to be streaming at some point this week and I've been continuing my personal canon playthrough of Mass Effect. That's been going great. And um, yeah, if you want to follow me, uh, I've been also streaming some Starfield. Uh, if you want to follow me uh, in Seven the Legend on Twitch and Twitter. Nice. Awesome. I've uh, I've been working on getting the Lord of the Rings Lorecast episodes up on YouTube with some really cool video content for that. So that channel actually just launched this morning and I'm going to see how it goes. We'll see if people like turning that into video content or not. So if you're interested in the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, you can look it up on YouTube now and go check out the videos. Let me know what you think. Uh, it's my newest project. And uh, other than that, of course, all the other shows that I do, all the different Lorecasts and everything's over at robotsradio.net or, you know, wherever. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. And until then, stay safe out there and uh, pay attention to the, even the minor crewmates because they might have interesting little stories. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.